Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hi. I'm Roxanne Gay, the co-host with Tressie McMillan-Cottom of Here to Slay from Luminary. We have an excerpt from this week's show, and we would love to share it with you. Yes, we recently had a really great conversation with writer Jason Reynolds about reading and books. If you want to hear more, you can listen to the whole thing by going to luminary.link slash slay. You talk to kids a lot, huh? Yeah, yeah. I suspect that for a lot of the kids who write you, you're the first piece of mail they've ever gotten. How <laughs> cool is that? Are you doing a lot of talking still to kids, even though you're grounded right now? I just got off of Zoom. I, this, is yeah. a, this is my third or fourth Zoom of the day. It was six yesterday, five the day before that. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm constantly sort of in conversation. And it's rough. I ain't gonna lie mm-hmm. to you. I'm having... Me too. It takes more energy it sure to does. try to connect through the screen. Yes. But... Shorties are going through a tough time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I live a privileged, very fortunate life right now. So, like, if I got to sacrifice a little bit, and I, I take care of myself, I try to, but if I got to sacrifice a little bit to ensure that young people who have been quarantined and have and away from their friends and they're dealing with their own mental health stuff and all mm-hmm. the other things that are creeping into their psyches, if I could show up and crack a joke or two and laugh a little bit and, and shine some light, it's all good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, why Why not? I um, I truly, truly love our children in a chemical way. Mm-hmm. And the work that I make, mm-hmm. I intentionally make for that. You know, in my, in my genre, my category, there are people who write for children because they wanted to be writers and the publishing industry categorized them right. as children's writers, yeah. right? But that wasn't their intention, mm-hmm. right? I intentionally you sought this like out. this is this is it right this is what i want um and continue to want to do mm. why is it that you connect to children so much because it's rare to hear a man admit that he enjoys is, children yeah. and i you know and i don't mean that in the sort of trite men don't want kids way i mean like that you want to connect with mm-hmm. young people what is that connection for you I, you know i don't really know except for um Except for, I think you around adults enough, you realize that adults ain't it. <laughs> right? It's like, I mean, we all, I mean, when I really think about, like, when I really think about, I mean, adults are the people who run the country, run yeah. the world. Right? And I'm like, they they getting it wrong, right? Yeah. But when I'm around, when I'm around the kids, they feel like the most human of the humans. Mm. They still believe that the world is a malleable place. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that. And, and don't get me wrong, like they serve me as much as I serve them, right? Like the truth is, is that like the work that I'm doing, whether it's for kids or for adults, as I sort of embark on that as well, um, requires an awful lot of imagination. But as adults, it becomes harder and harder to hold on to that imagination. But if you're around the people where the imagination is still fresh, it tends to stoke the fire in a different way. Mm-hmm. These babies still believe that the world is like is is truly an oyster, right? Mm-hmm. They really think they can mm-hmm. change it if they can just get out of school, right? They're like, if I could just make it out of my mama house, out of mama I can house, change the that's world, right. right? I, I can change the mm-hmm. world. And I love that ego. I love that audacity. I love that irreverence. And I try to stay as close to it as possible so that I can continue to be creative yeah. and continue to make the work mm-hmm. that I need to make to, that's saving my life every day, mm-hmm. you know? 
So speaking of, I feel like there's an intersection of these two things that you've been on Zoom a lot, but even before that, you were not one of these writers that eschewed digital cultures. I mean, mm-hmm. how could you, right? You're talking to young people. This is their culture. They're sure. making it. Sure. At the same time that you're missing sort of like though the materiality and appreciating the materiality of writing. So when you're talking like the young people though about reading and writing and you're doing it in digital spaces... Are we talking to young people about the importance of that, too? How, what are the conversations like for you in digital spaces when you're talking to young people about reading and writing? Mm, it depends on what we're talking about, right? There are literacy issues, mm-hmm. right? And if we're talking about literacy issues, that's one conversation. But if we're talking about interest, mm-hmm. that's a very different conversation. And typically, the conversation around interest has less to do with the books per se these days, because we do have so many Mm -hmm. more books than we had when I was a kid and when you all were children and like it's different now. It has more to do with who exactly is talking to them, right? And so what Mm -hmm. we never talk about is representation as it pertains to the person who is offering the book. So it's like, Mm -hmm. anybody can tell a young person, yo, you got to go read. But if they don't trust you, what does it matter that you tell them that? If they don't know you, if they don't, right? Mm -hmm. And so so these conversations I'm having are actually all pretty easy conversations because they've already bought into me. It's the way that I felt about Tupac as a kid. Uh It's like, I didn't care. Mm -hmm. He could have sold candles. Mm -hmm. And I'd have been like, hey, Ma, we got to go get these Tupac candles because I don't. And it's like, you don't burn candles. Don't matter. I believe Tupac, so I believe mm-hmm. I'm probably going to need these candles mm-hmm. for something, right? Mm-hmm. That's my whole method. It's human. It's about humanity, right? Mm-hmm. I need you to sort of trust me and know that I am I really love you. I love you, right? And I want you to be able to feel that and know that immediately so that when I'm asking you or talking to you about the importance of reading in a non-didactic way, you might just believe I'm telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. Plus, I come from what you come from. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been there already. I struggled with reading. Mm-hmm. I didn't get on until I was almost 18 years old when it came to reading. Right, yeah. I love you know? this about your story. First of all, that it's true for more people than we admit yes. to. So there's yes. also about it you owning it. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, yeah. and I've seen you own it in circles where it's one thing to own that on the internet and say that. Uh, let's be mm-hmm. real. It's another thing to even say it maybe out in everyday life. I've seen you say this in literary circles, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you yeah. own that story. Listen, ultimately, I got one speed. It's the speed of me. I ain't mm-hmm. worried about what nobody think about me, right? Yeah. Ultimately, and this is what I appreciate, honestly, about the two of you, actually, uh, is that, like, it is what it is. Everybody who who has heard of you all or who has been in your space or have listened to you all knows is exactly what it is. Like, like what I'm telling you is what it is, right? Yeah. And it don't matter if I'm in front of my mama or if I'm in front of the Obamas. Mm-hmm. My story is my own. It's the most expensive thing I have. Yeah. I ain't finna make it. I ain't finna make myself small because I'm scared of your judgment. You can't do what I've done if you ain't been where I've been. I ain't worried about you. Speak. Yes. You can't do what I do. If you could, you would have done it. You would have done it. (laughs) (laughs) Make another hole. I just, I only hear factual information being spoken. I only hear facts. Listen, there's nothing to like about being around other authentic people, though, to just really bring it out of you, to be fair. That's what this is. Mm -hmm. No. So, Jason, one of the things that I know you're doing as part of this sort of reaching people on this, you know, on a really authentic level and just being this is what it is, is that you are now the national ambassador for young people's literature. That's right. And you have this grab the mic, tell your story. And you also created a YouTube offshoot called Write, Write, Write. What kinds of things do you hope to do with this as you expand the role and really get into it? Because we know you want to encourage young people to read and create and tell their stories. Do you have ambitions beyond that? 
Well, you know, when it comes to the ambassadorship, it's still a pretty new thing. Mm-hmm. I'm the seventh ambassador. Mm-hmm. I'm the seventh ambassador. It's dope, right? And for those listening who don't know what it is, it's, it's basically, it's a part of the laureate system, mm-hmm. right? It's basically, we know what the poet laureate is. And, and, and so this is the laureate for children's literature, mm-hmm. basically. And what, what are my plans or, or what are my thoughts about it beyond beyond this? Honestly, to be completely honest with you, Roxanne, like this gig and this appointment is what I was already doing and it's what mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing when it's over. Mm-hmm. This is what I this is what I do. Right. My goal hasn't necessarily changed okay. because I think that a bigger goal isn't necessary if the goal at hand can be carried out consistently. Right. Then it it in essence, by default, becomes bigger as the results become bigger, mm-hmm. right? And so I just want to continue to stay the course and, 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 and figuring out creative ways to get young folks excited and involved with reading and engaged with language, and not necessarily literature as much as literacy, mm-hmm. um, which I deem to be yeah. more important, and validating the internal story, right? If, if you have a story that you're comfortable with owning, then it's much easier it can become much easier or at least a little less daunting for you to engage with the story outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think people um, realize that we still have some serious, like really physical divides between kids and books because we think we're in an information age, right? And we're all awash in words. This is a discourse society mm-hmm. now. If you speak in your exist, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you've got all these channels where you can where you can speak, you can do storytelling, but getting books in kids' hands is still a real practical thing, uh, yeah. which you which you do a lot of. Can you put in concrete terms for us and for our audience what that looks like, like on the ground? I don't know what the, the book deficits that exist, I guess, like how hard it is to get books into kids' hands. It's tough. I mean, and it's tough in every single facet, whether you're talking about the school system, the politics mm-hmm. behind education in this country are... Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It, it's, it, it's, crim- it's criminal. Yeah, it is. Right? Yes. It, 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 it is criminal. And then I think about the library system, and it depends on where you are. I mean, you go out to Ohio, library system rocking. I just read I an article seen... about that library like a week ago. It's in one of the magazines, but they were saying that the library system in Ohio is phenomenal. Rocking. It's off the chain. <laughs> About six years ago, I spoke at the Ohio Librarians Association, and I'm I'm bungling the name, but they are mm-hmm. intense. And I mean that in the best way. Yeah. I had a wonderful time at the conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's robust. It, it's, it's robust. And they are particularly good at reaching rural mm-hmm. communities mm-hmm. and people yeah. in the cities. And they're very diverse, and they, like, really mm-hmm. care about reaching people who don't often get the attention mm-hmm. of libraries and the the intent um, to like include books that they mm-hmm. might want to read. Yes. Yeah. Ohio's a model. Hmm. Ohio is a model. I mean, you know, in the children's literature world, you know, behind closed doors, they'll they'll say like, listen, your book work in Ohio, your book work in Texas, ah. you successful. You're yeah. successful. Yeah. Because they control that those library systems yeah. control the destiny of children's literature, of, of children's writers. That's fascinating. I know, mm-hmm. I knew about Texas as the epicenter of textbooks. So they got the most schools. They got the most schools. And so they yep. dictate what all the rest of the school districts do. Um, so I knew that about Texas. For whatever reason, Ohio has never pierced my awareness. Popping. Yeah. It's popping. But, but, but you think about that, but then you think about other places. I mean, like I've been through, I've been all over the country. I've been to all the scary places. Mm-hmm. 
And you go to some libraries and they and it's it's like they're piecing together, right? It's like yeah. books from sixty years ago. They're doing the best they can to hold on to, mm-hmm. or they can't get anyone in the library because there's nothing in the library to come and mm-hmm. come and rent, or the library is too mm-hmm. far away from where people actually live. Mm-hmm. And so, how am I going to get to the library if I don't have the necessary transportation? And so, what I've been doing over the course of oh, over the years of, of of being in this game is I just been buying books. I just be, you know, mm-hmm. you just do it. Like my whole thing yeah. is like I can't do it all, but I could do something. Yeah. So I don't have so every year, a couple times a year, you you buy a couple class sets. You buy if you got a little extra, give a little extra, mm-hmm. right? And so I feel lucky and fortunate. And I and you know, I'm not a religious man. And because I'm not a religious man, I gotta figure out ways to tithe. Right? Yeah. And, and yeah. this is and this is sort of the way that I sort of this is my ten percent or twenty percent. And I give it back. You know, I did the thing over was that last year in November where I bought out all the books mm-hmm. in DC. Right? Yes. I remember hearing that when it happened and I thought Oh man, I, that's something so simple, but so important. And yeah, yeah. We should. Oh, why didn't we think about this sooner? Oh, I thought it was. Thank great. you, and I'm and I'm hoping that moving forward, I, I hope a lot of us do it. Like it's like if you got like, it don't even take nothing, right? And and, and the truth is that mm-hmm. we don't talk about sort of uh those of us who do have a little more. We won't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I be yeah. wanting to be like, mm-hmm. I be wanting to be like, hey, nudge, nudge. You know, you got a little extra. Just buy out the books. Yeah. It, ain't no big, it ain't no big deal. And let the people go and, and and get what they've been wanting to get but can't get because they ain't got the thirty bucks mm-hmm. or the twenty five bucks to get anything mm-hmm. extra. So, um, first of all, that is so black of you. <laughs> I just I know, that, the way he just said just you, I you know, know. I was like when you when you did this I was I like I know it's just I know mm-hmm. clearly I'm I'm lonely I miss black people <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that just felt good to me it just felt good and so uh, we are all love fest here with Jacqueline Woodson again I just I want to shout her out I I have a small library it's named for my grandmother a collection at a church that uh, I mm. support and. I didn't put a public call out. I think I said something on Twitter. Maybe this is a two years ago. What? Oh, I was soliciting authors because the library at the church is focused on the kids um, in the church. Um, I said, you know, give me some authors, you guys, with some things we need to go buy, you know, because we were just going to we were just putting together Amazon list and we're just going to buy them and drop them off. Maybe about two weeks after that. They called me from the church and said, we've got some mail here for us. Like, mail? I don't even go to church. I just, you know, what? Somebody supposed to send me something to church. And it was six boxes of books from Jacqueline. Man. Yeah. No. She, yeah. yeah. She a real one. Oh. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Neither am I. Yep. I started she crying. Really yep, yep, yep. That'll do it for me. That was it. <laughs> yeah. So she can call me she, from the she's... highway and I'm going to come. Absolutely. Yeah. Whatever she needs. She, yeah. She's yeah. been an amazing support system for so many of us. Yeah. And same for you. If you're ever on the side of the highway, I got you. And I might call you. It <laughs> might happen. Yeah. <laughs> Just consider us your black feminist AAA. <laughs> <laughs> for the record. So what are you reading right now? Anything popping off for you, Jason? You know what? I just got this yesterday. This is uh, the, the kink joint. Yeah. Oh, that's kink. An anthology of erotic stories about BDSM. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, Arquan, <laughs> but I, I'm a little familiar with it, I guess. Are, are you in this joint? You probably <laughs> I am. Your name right there. <laughs> yeah, I just got the kink joint yesterday, and I'm going uh, I'm to get into that and see what it's talking about. I'm just curious and interested. Mm-hmm. And honestly... And honestly, I'm working on um, a short story, a piece of erotica for the, for an anthology. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to like find my footing. Right? Yeah. I'm like, let me read some stuff because I don't want to make a fool. Because, you know, men write sex terribly. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going right? to tell you and why so y'all I'm, write I'm, it terribly. But I think we do. could. I think we. Well, 
because you I think it's a generally... reflection. Of yes, I was going to say, you're drawing on what you know. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, can I just say, writing yeah. sex is very hard. It's just something um, that I admire about people actually who can do it very well. Many, many, many years ago, I tried to get a work as a writer for Penthouse Letters because they mm-hmm. was just, this is early days of internet, and it was like paying a ton of money. It's like $500 a letter or something. But you had to, you know, you had to send in samples, and I will never forget. You want to talk about breaking my heart? They sent it back to me and was like, yeah, no, this is horrible. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I am not good enough to write letters to Penthouse? <laughs> I don't think we have enough respect for how difficult we don't. it is to write a good erotica. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I'm going to study it before yeah. I write this short stuff. Like, let me... <laughs> Let me get my my nice name. Let me get all. Let me get everything I need to like try to learn how to do this in a way that still feels sophisticated. Yeah. Um, so because yeah. you're working you know. on an adult novel, right? I am. What is it? You know. I, okay. So I am interested in epigenetics, mm-hmm. hmm. right? Which is I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's factual, but I'm curious about the theory around it. Um, and because I'm so curious about epigenetics, I've as we've gone through centuries of trauma mm-hmm. I've, uh, and specifically over the last 60 years as it per- 70 years as it pertains to sort of police violence mm-hmm. and lynching and all of the things that has happened to our folks i often wonder what would it be like like what does that look like 100 years from now 200 years from now mm-hmm. could there be a, a, a child born mouthless could there be a child born with holes already in its body? Mm. If, if evolution mm-hmm. and epigenetics is a real thing, right? Like, will trauma eventually show itself externally, mm-hmm. right? Will it chemically rearrange us, genetically sort of transform us? And what does that look like if that is the case? And so I, I just been thinking for years, I've been thinking mm-hmm. about a story about a mouthless boy. So how do we show voice, quote unquote, I hate the word voicelessness, right. but because yeah. one, because I don't think it's, a it's real not a thing. thing. But yeah. How do we show the attempt to uh, strip someone of their voice Mm -hmm. physically. And so I'm writing about a a boy who was mouthless, who is no longer mouthless, and he's telling the story to his son. Mm. And it's really just a conversation around Black folks are oftentimes good with each other. I grew up with a kid named Lenny. He was a schizophrenic. Well, he was a, he was a man named Lenny. He was a schizophrenic. We loved him. Yeah, we had right? a guy in the neighborhood too. Yeah, yeah. 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 We we, yeah. we loved him, and he was safe. Yeah, and he was protected. Right. Yep. It was when people outside of our community came into the community mm-hmm. that he was suddenly a threat and threatened. Mm-hmm. And I say that to say that even though I'm writing about a a, a mouthless child, that child is not a victim mm-hmm. in my story. Right. The child lives in. And basically what we were like, almost like an imagining of the Gullah Islands, right? He lives sort of on an island, like a small, like a small town mm-hmm. with a bunch of people who are totally fine with him. They know, and he's right. Not, he's not oppressed. He's not, he's chilling. Like yeah. he, he's fine. He's a normal kid. But this happens to be one of those places like Montauk, like the Hamptons, mm-hmm. where the summertime, the white folks come to, visit, to take uh-huh. part in the culture of the locals. Mm-hmm. And then his life is very different right. during those months. And that's sort of what the tale is all about. And so I'm, I'm working on it. It's coming. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm excited. You can listen to our full interview with Jason Reynolds and many other 
thrilling conversations <laughs> that we've been having on Here to Slay by going to luminary.link slash slay. Not .com, guys. Luminary.link slash slay. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> 